you are on the line. Live on ESPN, 1067 in Auburn and Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga. Online on Fox Sports, 983.com and ESPNAU.com. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Jacob Goins with you on the Thursday edition of the show. Thursday, April 28th, 2022. Hope you're all doing well out there in the Auburn Opelika area. Uh, up through Birmingham and Sylacauga on 98.3 and anywhere else across the state and across the country. I appreciate you tuning in to the Thursday edition of On the Line. Great Show on tap for you today, our good buddy Christian Clemente back in the house. Christian, how you doing, man? I'm doing really good. How about you, Jacob? I'm doing fantastic. I love when you come in. We get to talk some recruiting and some NFL draft today is what we're going to talk about, too. So we've got a lot on tap for you guys today. Phone lines are open, 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Anything you want to call in, talk about, we'd love to hear from you right here on the Thursday edition of On the Line, 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Well, Christian, let's talk about the NFL draft because it is tonight. Round one is tonight. And if you're not going to be around the TV, you can turn it on to right here on ESPN 106.7. We will have... All the coverage of tonight's NFL draft starting at 6 o'clock right here on ESPN 106.7. So make sure you tune in for that. We're really excited to get that opportunity. You know, it's weird that the NFL draft is happening because it doesn't seem like it's, you know, it hasn't been hyped up that a whole lot. It hasn't been hyped up a whole lot. And I think it's because the quarterbacks are just kind of, eh. Yeah, I would certainly agree with that. I mean, honestly, I'd kind of forgotten about it until I saw some tweets this morning. Like, it's just... I don't know. There hasn't been a ton to follow. This feels like just a weak draft class overall. Um, and like you hit on the quarterbacks are a little weak. And then Auburn-wise, obviously you have Roger McCreary, who should be kind of second-round guy, um, which is exciting. But, you know, you don't have a stud like a Derek Brown who you're looking at a potential top-10 pick. Roger McCreary is a stud, but you're not looking at a top-10 pick. Um, so from Auburn-wise, it's been kind of quiet too. Yeah, and, you know, I'm going to be honest, I don't watch the draft. I keep up with it, and I keep up with the picks, but, I mean, I don't sit down and say, uh-oh, here comes the draft. i got to sit down and watch it on TV. I just don't really do that. But I think, you know, if I was in the car, and now that, e- now that we're playing it on ESPN 106.7, I would definitely turn it on and listen to it and listen to what they had to say. But, I mean, it is a lot of just sitting around and just kind of waiting for teams to, to do what they want to do. Yeah, I enjoy watching it personally, but it's definitely a little slow. Um the NFL draft even more than other drafts. I mean, I think it has the longer clock in between picks and it can drag on from time to time. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I I watch it, you know, when Auburn has some guys that are supposed to go high, like especially the NBA draft the last couple of years. I definitely watch the first round of that with Auburn putting some guys in the league from the basketball team. But, you know, with football, like you said, Auburn doesn't really have a, you know, a top 10, top five pick that's supposed to be taken. They have some guys going, but... You know, it's just like that added on to, like you said, a weaker draft class overall. And then my point of the quarterbacks just not being that great. 
I, I just, I mean, again, I'll keep up with it, and I'll definitely see what my team, the Green Bay Packers, do. Please draft a wide receiver. Please do it. That's all I'm saying. I'll keep up with that, but I don't know, man. It just seems like it seems like the buildup to this draft has just not been what it usually is. Yeah, it's been super weak. Um, I mean, I don't know. I just have next to there's not a lot of excitement at the top there's not a lot of exciting picks I mean I think it's already out there that Trayvon Walker is going to be the number one overall pick which I don't particularly understand but it's the Jaguars so that makes sense why I don't understand it the Jaguars seems like they have the first pick just about every other year you would think they'd figure out how to draft the right guys you would think they would have figured it out by now and I'm curious to to the listeners, do you watch the NFL draft or do you watch any of the professional drafts, whether it's the NBA, the NHL, the MLB, any of those? Do you watch the draft? Are you excited for the NFL draft? Uh, I want to hear from you and what you have to say. 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You hear about, you know, you were talking about the potential number one pick, but you also hear a lot about teams trading for different picks and the conversations that they have leading up to the draft and even during the draft. I think that's an interesting thing to talk about. How teams, let's say you have the you know the 15th overall pick, but you want to trade up to the ninth or the eighth pick to try to get somebody that you may think is better for you and your team. You know, how does I don't know, I'm trying to figure out what I'm trying to say. Like it's just weird how it all shapes out. I feel like we talked about this with the NBA draft too and some of those other drafts where teams can kind of figure out exactly who they want days or even weeks in advance. Yeah, I mean, they have everything kind of mapped out pretty well, draft board, stuff like that. I have found it interesting on Twitter the past couple of days, people talking about like grades. Um, there's been kind of a topic and, you know, one team said, oh, we have, you know, 16 players that get first round grades. And some people are like, well, what do you mean? There's 32 picks. It's like, well, grades are totally different. Teams value players differently and whatnot. Um, so that's been an interesting topic to follow. But, I mean, some of these teams have just been – and it's interesting to see, too, looking at mock drafts now, you see a guy like – I think Derek Stanley is being mocked all the way as high as number three now after falling to, like, 12 in mock drafts, you know, a couple weeks, months ago. So you have to wonder, you know, how long have the Texans been interested in Derek Stanley and kind of kept that quiet until just now and it's starting to get out there a little bit or are people wrong and whatnot so I mean we'll have to see tonight but I do find all those intricacies very interesting I I 100% agree and it you know again teams they get a certain pick but then they trade other picks to get higher picks and higher picks in different rounds it's all if you don't fully understand it it can kind of be confusing and try to keeping track of well who actually picks when and it really gets weird in the later rounds because in these early rounds, they trade all those later round picks. And then after that, you're just like, you don't even know who's picking when and who's going where. But when it comes to the Auburn players that have potential to get drafted, what are we looking at uh, football wise? I know there's a few, you already mentioned McCreary, but are there a couple others that, you know, you, you think have a legit chance to get drafted at a a decently high round? Uh, You know, I think Roger goes probably second round. I think he could kind of push, the early second round from mock drafts that I've seen. Um, as for the other guys, I think Sakobi McLean and Smoke Monday will both get drafted, but you know, I think their ceiling really is the early fifth or the fifth round, maybe towards the late end of it, um, and then it would be like the sixth or the seventh round for those guys. Um, you also have a couple other names there that are potentials and Brodarius Ham and Demetrius Robertson that also entered as well. Um, but I 
wouldn't really expect to see them drafted necessarily. Um, I haven't really seen them on too many mock drafts. I think that's going to be more so camp invites, and they have a chance to make the roster from there. But you're really looking at Roger um, to be the first guy off the board, probably second round. I really don't think he'll fall outside of the second round. And then uh, Zacoby and Smoke probably there on day three. Yeah, I think McCreary could definitely go second round. I hope he does because he he has a lot of skill. I think he could add a lot of value to any NFL team that he gets drafted to. When you look on, I'm looking on ESPN right now, and they're they're so-called best available in the draft right now. Obviously, it starts tonight with round one, and you look up and down the board – a lot of SEC guys on there, as usual. Obviously, the SEC puts more guys in the league than anybody else uh, by a long shot. And you look at some of the SEC guys, Trayvon Walker from Georgia, Evan Neal from Alabama. You talked about Derek Stanley Jr. from LSU. Of course, Jordan Davis from Georgia, Jamison Williams from Alabama. Jamison Williams, is he's on another level. And they interviewed Nick Saban and asked him what he thought about Jamison Williams versus some of the other players he's coached and he had extremely high regards for him yeah Jamison Williams is absurd um I kind of I like to follow the Chargers personally um and he's kind of been mocked to the Chargers a little bit um just his mix of speed um I mean he's one of those guys that he can catch a slant and take it 70 yards just because he can outrun um the corner he can outrun the linebackers obviously outrun the safeties as well um but he's also kind of a deep ball threat as well so he kind of really does it all, um, and you know I think that injury has kind of limited his draft stock a little bit, but he'll still be picked there really, I think, before 20 probably. Well, they've got him at 13 right now. I mean, he's a steal no matter what. I think he's going to be – he has potential, I should say, to be a huge impact player in the NFL. Like you said, his hands are just unbelievable. His athleticism is even better. His speed is the best thing he's got going for him. Route running – all of those things combined and what you see in successful NFL wide receivers. Maybe buff up just a little bit to be able to put a body and fight off a defender because they do play pretty physical in the NFL, especially off the line. But look, I think Jameson Williams can can really be just an outstanding NFL wide receiver. You know, obviously my Packers can't pick that high, but hey, <laughs> I would love, love for him to go to Green Bay. But you said the Chargers. Is that your team, or is that just a team you follow? Uh, I would consider myself a Titans fan, but I follow the Chargers because Justin Herbert is one of my like all-time favorite players because I grew up an Oregon fan. Um, so I love Herb. Gotcha. Uh, I love watching him play. So Interesting. I didn't know you grew up an Oregon fan. You may... Uh you may get some calls, but you know, maybe somebody may may <laughs> say a little something about being a Ducks fan, but well, okay. To talk about the Oregon Ducks, do you still keep up with them and follow them, you know, like you would Auburn? Yeah, I definitely do. Kayvon Thibodeau today or tonight. Yeah. He's been yeah. shooting up the draft board a little bit after he'd really started to fall there, um, surprisingly. Yeah, they've got him at seven, the seventh best overall player, I guess, or best available player. This will obviously update throughout the draft once players get taken, but and at the same time you have to remember, just because they are quote unquote the best available doesn't mean they're gonna be the next one off the board. It all depends on what a team needs and what position they're looking for. And not just that, but these teams have meetings with these players and they talk to them and they kind of see what their personality is like and if it's going to fit in their organization and their locker room. So I think that's all really interesting as well. But you talk about Kayvon Thibodeau and Oregon. What's the word on the Oregon Ducks that you follow? You obviously follow them a lot more than probably most people do in this area. Yeah, I mean, I think Kayvon Thibodeau is a fantastic player. Um, I really do think some of the criticism that he got was unfair. Um, 
in terms of how his draft stock started to fall there leading up to the draft. But I mean, I mean, he was an extremely highly rated player coming out of high school, started right away, was a big impact player right away. Um, and despite battling injuries, has kind of been that same impactful player um, throughout. I honestly think he has a, probably a higher ceiling than Trayvon Walker, Aiden Hutchinson in terms of those edge guys. Really? Um, now, he might have a lower floor because there are injury concerns and issues there. Right. But I really do think he's a very, very talented player. And when you look up and down the – you know, the draft board and who is there. When you look at the best available on the ESPN app, the very the first quarterback on this list isn't until 21. Do you know who it is? Uh, I'm going to say Malik. It is. Probably. It's Malik Willis from Liberty. Of course, he played at Auburn. He is now being drafted out of Liberty. But there's 20 players above the first quarterback that they have on the best available. That just speaks to... How you know, and I hate to say that it's low quality quarterbacks because they are good, but compared to other draft classes in the past, and I think what we're going to see in the next couple of years coming out of college, it's no doubt one of the weaker quarterback classes we've seen in a really long time. Yeah, I mean, on paper, there's I mean, you have Malik Willis who could end up being very talented because of his skill set, but there's some question marks there. Kenny Pickett is older and not, he doesn't. Ex- necessarily excel at anything particularly well I and mean, he's I, right behind Malik Willis on this list at 22 okay um, I mean I think Kenny Pickett's a solid quarterback but is he a stud in the NFL I don't really think so um, and then you mentioned it there I mean the the next NFL draft um, you know Bryce Young could be eligible stuff like that so I think a lot of these teams would rather just kind of wait and hold out for who they value higher um, I think Malik Willis Malik Willis is probably the first quarterback off the board um, just because uh, again he probably has the highest ceiling but may might have the lowest floor those guys as well there's a potential for disaster there but there's also a potential I mean you're looking at like a Michael Vick-esque talent in terms of his speed he also has a great arm really great kid I think he has a really good opportunity to succeed if he gets put in the right place and you know, but at the same at the same time, is he an NFL caliber quarterback? I just don't. I don't know. I just don't. I would honestly, if you're talking about NFL caliber, wouldn't you think about taking Pickett over Malik Willis if you're thinking about an NFL style QB? I think I would. I think so. As of right now, um, I think the best opportunity for Malik Willis would be to go somewhere and sit for a year um, and kind of learn systems. I don't think he should be thrown into the fire immediately. Um, just because I think he needs just a little bit of time to learn. Um, but also, I mean, some of the stuff that I've seen leading up to the draft, um, some of his pre-snap reads and stuff like that have been very impressive. Um, so maybe he could step in and start right away. But I would probably agree with you that if you're looking at an NFL quarterback and an NFL-ready quarterback right now, Kenny Pickett's probably higher than Malik. If you had to choose a quarterback, right? And, and I think one of the differences this year, too, is – you know, we've seen in the past somebody like Joe Burrow gets drafted and he's all of a sudden a franchise guy. He is the face of the franchise out on draft night. I don't really see that with these quarterbacks because of the, you know, the weaker draft class and them being drafted so low, which honestly, it may help them once they get drafted because, like you said, they can go and sit somewhere and learn a system and develop as a player in the NFL and maybe there won't be as much pressure on them because look if you get drafted in 
the first 15 as a quarterback, you are the face of a franchise. That is 100%. They are drafting you to make you the guy. There's a really good chance you're going to be a day one starter, and it is all on you. Maybe that's an advantage to these quarterbacks in this draft class this year, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a fair point. Um, I mean, I think you could see a quarterback go inside the top 15, but I don't think that they're necessarily going to be counted on to start right away um, as long as the team does what I think is smart. But, I mean, I'm not the team, so I don't really know necessarily. But right. I, I would certainly say there's probably going to be less pressure on these quarterbacks this upcoming season um, than you would normally see with a quarterback class. Oh, I agree. And, and I'm not the biggest fan of drafting a young guy out of college and throwing him in and making him the face of the franchise and trying to save, save the team and save the organization. I'm not a fan of that because how often does that actually work? You know, like when you look at it, yeah, Joe Burrow's worked out all right. But more times than not, when you draft a guy that young and you put him on a really bad team because you're drafting him when you get him that early – that's because you're high in the draft order. That's because your year was bad last year. And you put that type of guy, Trevor Lawrence, right? Take Trevor Lawrence, for example. He got drafted and it's just been, eh. I mean, he hasn't, and it's not, I wouldn't necessarily put it on him. He got drafted by Jacksonville and has not been able to do anything after his super successful career in college. So I'm not the biggest fan of drafting a 19, 20 year old kid. Because that's what they are. I mean, they're still college kids. 19 to 20 year old guy and saying, here's the keys to the, you know, here's the keys to the franchise. Go win. Yeah, it's an incredibly tough spot to be put in. Um, I mean, Trevor Lawrence last year didn't really have too much of an offensive line, didn't really have great weapons at all out there at wide receiver or tight end. Um, running back was okay, but not great. And then you also have a subpar defense as well. So, I mean, throwing these guys into the fire is incredibly tough and it takes really really talented quarterbacks to be able to you know have a poor season and we'll see it this year with uh, Trevor Lawrence whether or not he's able to to have a really bad season you know the team will the team will slowly build around you and theoretically it'll slowly get better and we'll have to see um, whether or not they're able to kind of mentally bounce back from that and kind of move forward or if that affects their career um, in the long term because some guys just aren't as mentally strong and it does kind of affect them and put more pressure on them and again I mean, these guys are 20 and 19, between 19 and 22 years old. Like, I mean, that's me, man. That's us. I yeah. mean, we, we would have to go, I could not imagine saying, here is, here is an NFL team. It's yours. Make it successful. Like, and especially with nobody else around you. Holy smokes. There's no way. There's no way. I wouldn't be able to do it. Even if you have the most skill that's ever been seen, like it's extremely tough to be put in that type of spot. We're talking about the 2022 NFL draft that gets underway tonight. And looking at Auburn, the first one on that list is Roger McCreary at 48, which would put him second round, pretty much would put him in the second round, right? So you know, we'll see. He may go early second round. I don't see him, like you said, I don't see him making the leap to the first round but you never know you never know so make sure you tune in tonight we will have right here on ESPN 106.7 we will have first round coverage of the NFL draft at six o'clock tomorrow we will also have the second round coverage of the NFL draft again at six o'clock and then on Saturday starting at 11 a.m. we will have the rest of the NFL draft right here on ESPN 106.7 let's take our first break of our number one phone lines are open call in and talk to me and Christian Clemente who's here for the entire hour number one three three four three two one thirteen ninety or toll free at 888-382-7502 let's take a break you're listening to on the line 
Welcome back into On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. Jacob Goins with you on the Thursday edition of the show. Christian Clemente in the house for hour number one here on the Thursday edition of On the Line. We always appreciate him coming in and giving us his valuable time here as we wrap up the school semester. We're just about done, Christian. We're about to graduate. Yeah, I'm very ready for that. Had my very last uh, class today, actually. A little bittersweet. Um, also a little happy to not have an alarm for an 8 a.m. class anymore. So Yeah, yeah, that feels really nice. I have... I have tomorrow is my last day of classes, and then next week is finals week. I've got two final projects and two final exams, and then I'm done forever and never, ever, ever going back to school. I've loved it, but never <laughs> doing school ever again. I am the people that go back to grad school and then go and be like doctors and go to school for another like 10 years. Absolutely not. There is no shot. No. I'm right there with you on that. No, no way. Money and time, things that I don't have already, and I'm not going to give it up for longer. So we're about done, so that's exciting times. Beautiful day here in Auburn, Alabama. It's sunny, a little bit of clouds. The temperature is rising, and I believe spring is leaving us as we know it. We are about to be in the summer, and as you all know here in this state of Alabama, summers are pretty miserable, so that's – it's either exciting or depressing. I see it as depressing. I like the summer, but I'm just, I, man, the humidity and the heat, it just ruins me, man. It, it makes me mad when I walk out in the mornings and I'm already like gross because it's so humid and stuff. <laughs> and then you go to lunch and your car's like a hundred, a thousand degrees and it's, uh, it's miserable, man. It's miserable. Yeah. I'm still not adjusted to humidity down here really at all. Not a big fan of it at all. So yeah, I mean, I was out on the driving range earlier today and I mean, 20 minutes goes by and I'm like, ooh, I am extremely hot out here. I know. That's what I'm saying. And like walk. Oh, that's another thing. I'm not going to miss walking to class anymore. I'm not going to miss that. (laughs) The worst was when you knew you had to go to class and it's like one of those classic Southern rainstorms and it's just pouring. Oh, yeah. You have to walk to class. Oh, I would do everything to try and get out of class on those days. That or the like the really the first month of classes in August. It's still so miserably hot outside that I would always every time. I would cut, excuse me, I would cut through buildings and just, it, it would take me longer to get there, but I would cut through buildings for air conditioning. Like it, I know on campus, not everybody knows Auburn's campus, but I would be cutting through the Haley Center, going through Tishner, up through the bookstore. Like I'd be cutting all through buildings so I didn't have to be outside, man. It sounds really bad, but when, when it's that hot, it's just miserable, man. And especially if you're carrying around a heavy backpack too. Yeah. Not I know. fun. Some people are like, what are these guys doing? Complaining about walking to class, but We don't have to do it anymore. Tomorrow's the last day. We're really excited. So, Christian, you're here for the next 30 minutes. We're about to head to break. We've got a few more minutes before we do so. And we're continuing our talk with about the NFL draft, the 2022 NFL draft that gets underway tonight. Uh, I asked you, the listener, do you watch the NFL draft? Do you keep up with it? Or is it more when Auburn has guys that are going high, is that when you keep up with it? Or do you watch any of the other professional drafts with the NBA, MLB, NHL, any of those? Do you watch them? Why or why not? I want to hear from you. 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. My show producer, Trevor, it's your final day with us, man. I know you were Noah's intern when he was still here, Noah Gardner, but you've done a fantastic job, and today's your last day. So we want people to call 
Call in and talk to Trevor, and we'll get you on the air. You can talk about anything you want. In the sports world, you can ask Christian anything. We're going to talk about some recruiting updates in the next segment for football and basketball. We'll get Christian's uh, take on on everything going on recruiting-wise. But, Christian, we have just a couple minutes, and we'll talk about uh, some more NBA stuff later. But your Milwaukee Bucks, congratulations. They're moving on. Thank you. A little nervous, though, because the Celtics looked fantastic in round one, and Chris Middleton is confirmed out for the series. For the next series? Yeah. Oh, snap. So, little concerned about that, but... And they have the Celtics next round, 100%? Yeah, Celtics. Oh. For game one is on Sunday. So. Oh, man. Yikes. Yeah. Good luck, man. Good luck. That's <laughs> going to be tough. The Boston Celtics look like the best team in the entire league right now. There's no denying it. Uh, I would maybe put the Warriors up there. Well, I don't know. The Celtics probably look like the best all-around team. Yeah. Maybe. I, I think it's just their defense, man. Their defense is too good. It's too good, I think. And they can score. They can do enough offensively, and they are locked down defensively that I just don't see, I don't see where a team is going to beat them in four games. Uh, I don't know. I'm still holding out hope. I think the Bucks can, but yeah. I think that's going to come from experience from last year's run. Um, and then, you know, a guy like Giannis is going to have to take over. He's going to have to find cracks in that defense somehow. And then you need your role players to step up as well. Obviously, I mean, in the Chicago series, Grayson Allen had a couple of huge games there. It was like, what is going on? Right. Where did this Grayson Allen come from? But well, that's what I was going to ask you was besides Giannis, obviously he's going to have to do his thing, drop 30, 35 points literally every game and, and have a double-double, that type of thing. But what other players on this Milwaukee Bucks team, since you are a Bucks fan, what other team or what other players on this team are going to have to step up for Milwaukee to be successful? Uh, I mean, I think the biggest one would be Drew Holiday. You really need him to be that consistent second scorer. He goes quiet sometimes. So you're always going to get fantastic defense out of him. But he'll go really quiet and kind of go ghost and either not take shots or take bad shots, kind of force them and just not be really consistent. He needs to be consistent because they need that second scorer. And then you look at kind of all these other role players that are all kind of talented and will have games from time to time, all just kind of need to step up. Bobby Portis, Brooke Lopez, Pat Connaughton, um, Grayson Allen, even Wesley Matthews. You need all these different role players. You need like one of them just to step up each game basically and kind of help support Giannis and Drew and then kind of go from there. I think it'll be a fantastic series. We're going to talk more NBA later on, but coming up after this uh, commercial break, we're going to talk with Christian Clemente about recruiting updates for football and basketball. A lot going on on that front. So make sure you stay tuned. Phone lines are still open, 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. You're listening to On The Line. Welcome back into On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Jacob Goins with you on the Thursday edition of the show. 30 minutes into hour number one, Christian Clemente is in the house with us for all of hour number one. Uh, phone lines are open 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Anything on your mind in the sports world, if you have a question for me, if you have a question for Christian, or if you just want to talk about something, please call in. We'd love for you to get involved and be a part of the show, 334-321-1390, or toll-free at 888-382-7502. Christian, let's start with 
Auburn basketball recruiting. What's the updates on some of the and not just recruiting? When I talk, when I say recruiting, that's from high school and transfer portal. I, I just consider all of that recruiting at this point because it's basically recruiting, right? So Auburn basketball. Where's it stand right now? And then some of the guys at Auburn is still waiting on commitments from what's the status there? Yeah, so I think the main two that you really need to monitor now um, are Julian Phillips, who is a 2022 recruit um, out of Missouri. Um, He is a five-star McDonald's All-American, number 13 overall player in the Rivals rankings. Um, He was formally committed to LSU before decommitting um, and getting his release after the Will Wade firing. and he is really down to Auburn and Tennessee, and he was just on campus at Auburn. He arrived on uh, Monday, I believe, and he left yesterday morning. Uh, from everything I've been told, um, it was a great visit, and from talking to him, he really enjoyed the visit as well. Um, this is a small forward, kind of power forward guy. He's 6'8", so he's pretty big, um, but he can also – I mean, he excels at everything, um, to be honest. There's not really a weakness in his game. He's a strong defender. He drives to the basket really strong, and he's a strong three-point shooter. He shot like 37% from three last year. Um, the comparison that kind of the, – the best comparison I guess I would give would be Isaac Okoro, but take a little defense away and add that to three-point shooting and also add some height, and that would be the best Auburn wow. comparison I guess I could give. Um, he's really a fantastic player, um, and I mean Auburn has positioned itself really, really well in his recruitment after his visit. Um, and this is a recruitment that's probably going to wrap up here pretty soon. Um, and you'll have an idea of kind of what Auburn's roster is here pretty soon. Um, cause Julian Phillips, May 18th is the deadline for this signing period. So he'll, he said he's hopeful to be done by then and he believes he'll be done by then. So, well, we talked about it yesterday on the show that, and Trevor brought it up that he took his visit to Auburn and then he said more than likely he's not going to take any other visits. And I talked about how, that's a huge advantage to Auburn because Auburn's the last place he talked to. It's the last place he saw. And that's the lasting impact that's going to be in his head. You would think when it comes to the schools that he wants to go to, the coaches that he's talked with, Auburn was the last one in his ear. And so hopefully, and you would think that that's a a huge advantage for Auburn in this situation. I think that's definitely huge. Um, I think that's the theme, honestly, with most recruits. Um, The last visit is usually it's good to get kids on campus and it's good to get them on campus early, but it feels like the last visit, you definitely get a leg up there in their recruitment heading in towards a decision. Um, and, and so that would be huge. Julian said he, he does have three more visits available if he wants to take them, but he said as of right now, he doesn't have any plans to. Um, so, I mean, I think that's a huge opportunity for Auburn um, to really capitalize and kind of close the door on his recruitment. And so besides him, are there is there anybody else because Auburn does have two roster spots open two scholarship spots open obviously still waiting on Janai Broom and then anything else that we need to know when it comes to Auburn basketball recruiting uh, as of right now the other name to monitor would be Janai Broom um, and this is a recruitment that's really down to Auburn and Florida um, Florida kind of made their final pitch to Janai uh, I want to say yesterday or the day before and Auburn's making its final push uh, pitch I should say over Zoom um, kind of talking with him, I think today. Um, and so Auburn's looking at both of those guys. Uh, Janai is obviously the center from Moorhead State. Would really fill the Walker Kessler role in terms of his ability to play inside. Probably wouldn't play outside all that much. Um, more of a shot blocker. Likes to play back to the basket um, on the inside. So that's kind of where he would fill in. Um, 
and I, I think Auburn certainly could get both of those guys. I also do think there's an opportunity there um, where Auburn could, you know, take Julian Phillips um, and then play Jalen Williams or Yoan um, there at the five as well. So uh, Auburn has a little bit of flexibility there if they did just want to take one and hold out. But I mean, I think taking both of those guys and wrapping up the roster there would also be really, really good. And I mean, I think if you're an Auburn fan, you would feel really great about next year's team. Well, there's no doubt, and we were talking about before the show. This is a really good problem to be to be having if you're Auburn basketball when you're trying to figure out which one of these extremely talented players do we want to choose from and try to fill the rest of our team. Hold that thought. We're going to head to the phone lines. 334-321-1390. Terry is on line one. Terry, welcome in. How y'all doing today, guys? We're doing great, Terry. How are you? Pretty good, pretty good. Are you guys more surprised or disappointed at Auburn's lack of, uh, uh, lack of um, transparency in the uh, portal? They haven't done anything. Uh, in, uh, in football? Yeah, in football. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I should specify that. Oh, no, you're good. Um, I mean, uh, I think Auburn has uh, – I don't know. I, I They should definitely have more movement there um, in terms of guys that they've gotten. But you also have to kind of look at some of the situations. You know, you had the whole Brian Harson saga kind of in uh, February, I guess that was, uh, which kind of derailed things in terms of recruiting and football uh, or transfer portal. So, I mean – there's still time there um, may 1st is the deadline for players to enter the portal so you'll see kind of a flurry of guys here entering the portal here soon um, and then I think Auburn is really going to snatch that opportunity um, there's an edge guy um, from UCLA who's going to be visiting he gets here today leaves on Saturday so look they're working it there they're definitely a little slower than they would probably hope to be um, and I obviously I think the fans are kind of antsy there a little bit and wanting to get some more movement there um but I, th- I think you'll start to see that here in the next couple weeks or so. Well, see, this was my take on it. The offensive line with all the guys returning, you can't sell one thing. You can't sell play in time. That's what a lot of guys want to hear. Receiver-wise, they're going to know who's throwing on the ball. And Auburn's unsettled at quarterback. You don't know who's going to throw on the ball. No, that's you're 100% right. I mean, it's, it's hard to, to get a receiver to commit when, you know, again, like you just said, you don't know who's going to be throwing the football. And – you obviously want to commit to a school where you're going to have the best chance to display your talents, but that means you got to have a good quarterback under center. Well, as you were saying yesterday, um, Jacob, uh, I mean, Brian Harson's got to win this year. He's gone. Yep. Uh, quite honestly, and and I don't I don't care if he went you know 14 and 0 won the national title. There's still going to be a faction of people that want him gone. Oh yeah, I mean that's that's, that's, that's for the way sure. It is. Uh, so that's just the way the coaching profession works. Um, there's probably some people that aren't happy. Nick Saban's out of them. I don't know who they would be, but uh, <laughs> they're obviously need psychological evaluations. If they don't, if they if they uh, if they don't know what they're doing, but I just I just can't fathom that Brian Harson's is, is going to have a good year, going to be able to keep his job, not be in this, not do nothing in the portal. And, and for some reason, there's a faction of people out there to believe that Finley could be quarterback at Auburn. This guy can't play quarterback in the Southeastern Conference. He's a solid backup, a tremendous leader, a great young man. But as far as on the field, no. No. Yeah. Auburn's a six and sixteen, maybe. With are you saying six and six with Finley at the helm? With, with yeah, with Finley at the helm, yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I'm the same way. I like T.J. Finley. I think he's a great guy. You hear fantastic things about his presence in the locker room and the type of of guy that he is. But right. more likely than not, no, I don't see him being the starter. Christian, is there? I mean, what do you think about that? I don't see T.J. Finley being the starter. I really don't. No, I think he'll be the starter probably going into fall camp um, just because he has the experience on Auburn's roster. But I think Zach Calzada or Robbie Ashford are 
the two guys that have the best chance at starting next year. Well, again, that goes back to the receiver. Who's going to be throwing on the ball? And they, their guys are going to know that. What about the receiver out of Texas A&M that went in the portal? Did he, did he ever side make a decision? The guy that played with Zach Calzada and had a great game. The guy hurt, I think he hurt his knee or something in a Florida game last year. Yeah, he's dealt with some injuries. Um, Caleb Chapman is who you're talking about. Uh, Auburn's in an unfortunate spot there because uh, the SEC transfer rules, um, even as a grad transfer, he's apparently not eligible to transfer to Auburn and be able to play um, this fall. So I think Auburn kind of hit a snag there. But they are looking at uh, Ricky Purcell, a transfer receiver out of Arizona State, um, and he has a visit scheduled um, within the next week or two, um, and Auburn is hopeful to try and get him. Well, let me ask this, Christian, one last thing here. Um, do you think Brian Harson's happy with what he has, and that's why he's not, why it's not going there? You can't force guys to come to Auburn, but do you think he's possibly happy, and why would he be? Uh, you know, I think he's happy for the most part with the starters that he has or that he kind of projects mm-hmm. that he'll have. But mm-hmm. I think he's kind of – slow playing it a little bit because he does know he needs to get some depth, especially kind of at the edge spot, receiver spot, and some other positions as well. So, and you know, when you're bringing in guys that are going to be depth spots, it's interesting in their recruitment because you're, you know, like you can't pitch to them immediate starting time. You, you hit on it earlier with the offensive line. Auburn hit a snag there because, you know, they did want to get a guy or two through the transfer portal, but everybody came back. So they couldn't really sell, sell immediate playing time to any guy in the transfer portal because everybody did come back. So they're kind of in an interesting scenario there. Right. Well, I hope Auburn has a two-man in the truck location because like Brian Harsh is going to be needing their services. Take care, guys. We appreciate the call, Terry. That was Terry here on the line. If you want to call in and get involved just like Terry, we'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502 if you have a question for me, a recruiting question for Krishna Clemente, or if you just want to get involved, have some concerns about football, basketball, anything on your mind, we'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. Look, Terry, he has great points. I mean, he called in and has had fantastic points. When it comes to the quarterback situation, which obviously has an immediate impact on receivers, yeah, receivers, not just recruits, but guys on the roster. When it comes to receiver recruits and guys on the roster, they want to know who their quarterback's going to be. But guys that are on the team right now, look, like Christian said, TJ Finley is your quote-unquote starter right now, and he will be your starter coming into fall camp just because he was last year's starter and he has that experience. I don't expect him to be the starter either. I really, really don't. And the receivers and the guys on this team, more than likely, they know that too. Like, if anybody's going to know, it's going to be the players and the coaches that are on this team, and the players are going to know. Do they know who exactly it's going to be? No, probably not. But they probably know that TJ Finley is more than likely a long shot to be the starter this year. Yeah, I would probably agree with that. Um, and then also kind of just to switch topics just a little bit. Uh, I think Terry brought up some great points in terms of the transfer portal and Auburn struggled there a little bit. But I would give Auburn credit um, for how they're recruiting high school kids and how they've started to develop this 2023 recruiting class with two really talented players. And now they're really laying the groundwork here for these next couple months to be, I think, really impressive Um, land a fair share of commitments before kind of fall football starts for the high schoolers and for Auburn um, and and kind of really turn this not even turn this class around because it wasn't in a terrible direction but really turn this recruiting class into something that could be really really good which you know when you were talking about recruiting this time last year you probably didn't think that would be the case but 
to their credit, they've done a fantastic job. Or even talking about recruiting a couple of months ago. Like it was it was really bad a couple months ago. But this this coaching staff, and we've talked about it before, how this how Brian Harson and the coaching staff have really just grabbed the bull by the horns and have really figured out, okay, we're in the Southeastern Conference now. We've got to figure out how to get guys on campus and how to get them to commit. And you talk about the twenty twenty three class for this football team and look it's already shaping up to be a pretty good class like you just said they're trying to add guys and make it even better that's why I would love to see Brian Harson and the staff survive this year that's the word is survive and get the opportunity to not only keep recruiting but to coach these kids that are coming in because they are laying the groundwork and they are putting their their boots on the ground they've gone across the entire state of Alabama and they're starting to get some kids to A, notice Auburn, B, consider Auburn, and C, some kids committing to Auburn. And I would love to see this staff get the opportunity to work with these kids because it not only hurts the coaching staff if Brian Harson gets fired, it hurts these kids too because they committed to him. And if he's not there, then they have to start all over. Yeah, I mean, it's tough. And also, I mean, it's tough for the program. Um, if you were to kind of move on so quickly, it creates kind of a bad stigma. You start over. Yeah, you start over. And I mean, not only start over, I mean, you start at a really bad spot because you don't have a lot of coaches that want to come into that situation. Um, and I think if there's one thing you really can credit this staff for, um, it's been development. Um, and I think they've done a fantastic job developing players, improving their play. Um, I mean, even last year, I think would have been, I mean, I thought it was Bo Nix's best year personally at quarterback. So you've seen some development from these guys. And if they're bringing in the guys that they're interested in and the guys that they believe will fit, um, guys like Terrence Love, guys like Braden Joyner, guys like this 2022 recruiting class, Demario Alston, Mike Riley Ducker. If you give them time to develop them, I think it could work out really well. And I think this coaching staff is a development a, a development type of coaching staff. If and what I mean by that is, I think they are going to develop players a lot better than what we saw in the previous coaching regime. I think oh, so. Yeah, I agree 100%. Because you saw, just like you said, Bo Nix's year last year was the best year he's had at Auburn. It's the only year that he actually took a step forward in his quarterback progression. And that that was 100% Brian Harson. That was Brian Harson. Yeah, some of the coaches, but look at the coaching turnover already. But I think Brian Harson and this coaching staff they will really develop players. And just like you're talking about, the recruits that are coming in, Auburn's got some really good guys coming in. And if you can keep them around and make them even better, plus bring in new guys, that's how the successful football programs do it. Auburn can get to that point. They just got to give Brian Harson some time. And I don't know. He's got to survive. Like Terry said, He's got to have a winning season. He's got to win. That's what it comes down to is wins on the football field. We'll take a break. We'll come back and wrap up hour number one with Christian Clemente when we come back. You're listening to On the Line. Welcome back into On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 up through Birmingham and Silicaga. I appreciate everybody tuning in to our number one of On the Line. We have Christian Clemente for just a few more minutes here as we wrap up our number one. If you want to call in and talk to me or him about recruiting or NBA or anything else on your mind, we'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. We'd love to hear from you, Christian. Let's continue our recruiting conversation. We've got you for about four more minutes. And 
we were talking about you know football and basketball recruiting what we needed to know and we were talking basketball you know Joyon Phillips trying to or I guess waiting to see what his is his decision is going to be and of course his final visit was at Auburn we hope to you know we hope to see him commit hopefully to Auburn of course but in the next couple of weeks and he would be a fantastic pickup and you were talking about him possibly playing a three and the four versus Janai Broom really being a four and a five and Auburn look Auburn needs a shooter right I mean Auburn needs a shooter yeah, Auburn needs a shooter, um, and Julian Phillips could fill that role while also being a really talented wing um, that Auburn needs as well. So, I mean, he'd be a fantastic pickup. He's higher rated than Yoan Treor. So, you, you know, we talked a couple weeks ago or whenever it was about how, you know, Bruce won up and um, kind of following up Jabari Smith with another five-star that's very talented. Well, Julian Phillips is rated even higher than Yoan is. So it would be another just absurd pickup for Auburn. Um, I think – the longer this drags out, probably the worse for Auburn. So you, if you're Auburn, you would hope to get a commitment or a decision here pretty soon, like within the end of next week. Um, uh, he doesn't have an exact timeline right now. We really don't know that. But, I mean, I think Auburn's in a good spot right now. Kind of, uh, I mean, personally, I think Auburn is leading the pack for Julian Phillips right now. Yeah, that's great news. That's And hopefully Auburn can get whoever they want and whoever they feel is the best for their position to go back to football, of course, we had Terry calling in during the last segment. If you'd like to call in, 334-321-1390. With football, recruiting and the transfer portal, you know, Auburn, obviously, like Terry was saying, and you were, you know, you were kind of saying as well, you would like to see Auburn be more active in the transfer portal. You talked about how we are just a few days away from the May 1st deadline of transfers having to if you want to transfer you have to have your name in the portal by may 1st do you see a bunch of guys taking advantage of that and it just be an overflow or just like some last minute guys jumping in i feel like it'll probably end up being more so some last minute guys a little bit uh, maybe a little mix of both i know that's not really answering the question but i think you'll see a decent flurry but maybe not as much as some people think um and i mean the the one other point i will bring up about auburn and the transfer portal is you know, you only have, I believe Auburn has 10 spots available. You really only have so many spots. You don't want to just take guys just to take guys. You know, right. You're thin at edge, but you don't want to just, you know, some some random edge just enter the portal. Let's go offer him. Let's go try and get him here on campus. Right. Is he really all that much better than one of the walk-ons that you have um, at edge? Not necessarily. So you have to be careful how you play it. Um, I mean, I feel like Auburn's, I feel like Auburn's starters are pretty much known. I don't think outside of maybe wide receiver, you don't you're not really going to get a starter through the transfer portal right now. Um, and I mean, that's even just with the guys that are in the portal as well. There's not a ton of super highly rated players entering the portal right now, just because of the time frame. They already kind of know where they fit in at their current school, but you're looking for depth and that's kind of where Auburn lacks in certain scenarios. You're lacking depth at wide receiver, obviously at edge. Um, you'd like maybe a little bit more on the defensive line, but Auburn did get some good news um, that Marquise Robinson is going to come back um, there at defensive tackle. So Auburn will work the transfer portal a little bit here within the next couple weeks, and you'll start to have a good idea of the depth for Auburn football next year. Well, Christian, we appreciate your time. Quickly, let everybody know where they can find all your good work recruiting. Yes, so it's over at AuburnSports.com, along with on Twitter, at CClemente underscore. We appreciate your time. Hour number one in the books. We'll be back for hour number two. You're listening to On the Line. You are on the line. 
live on ESPN 106.7 in Auburn and Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga. Online on Fox Sports 983.com and ESPNAU.com. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Jacob Goins with you on the Thursday edition of the show. Hour number one officially in the books. You know what that means. Hour number two officially underway right here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 up through Birmingham and Sylacauga. I appreciate everybody tuning in here to the Thursday edition of On the Line. If you missed any of our number one, just search On the Line wherever you get your podcast. We had Christian Clemente from AuburnSports.com. He was in for our number one. We talked a lot of recruiting uh, Auburn basketball and football. We'll continue some of those conversations here in our number two. But if you missed any of our number one, just search on the line wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, phone lines are open all of our number two. We would love to hear from you. Please call in, get involved, and be a part of the show. 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Anything on your mind in the sports world. If you have a question or a comment, concern for me, whether it is Auburn basketball, Auburn football recruiting, Auburn football transfer portal issues, uh, the NFL draft tonight, anything you want to talk about, we would love to hear from you, my show producer Trevor, on his final day here at Auburn Networks. He is waiting on your call to put you through to me, 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Trevor, let's start out hour number two like we always do with Making Headlines. Making Headlines. So making headlines here on Thursday, April 28th, 2022. The NFL Draft gets underway tonight where college athletes, college football players uh, hope to make their dreams a reality, becoming an NFL player in the National Football League. Of course, Auburn has a couple of guys going uh, nobody, you know, nobody that's going to be a first round pick, but Roger McCreary is probably the highest rated Auburn player on the draft board. Uh, they've got him r- listed at somewhere in the forties. So, you know, if that, if that goes how they think it will, that will put him second round somewhere. Also smoke Monday. He is going as well. And so we'll see if Auburn can get a couple of guys drafted and they will not obviously won't be first day starters or anything but they can try to get to the league try to develop themselves and and find a starting role with a team somewhere in the NFL so that is tonight and right here on ESPN 106.7 we actually have the NFL draft coverage right here on ESPN 106.7 starting tonight at six o'clock you can tune in right here on ESPN 106.7, and we will have the complete first-round draft coverage of the NFL draft. Same thing tomorrow with the second round. That will also be at 6 o'clock. And then on Saturday, you can tune in right here at 11 a.m. 
and we will have the rest of the NFL draft. All the picks, coverage, and analysis right here on ESPN 106.7. So we are super excited to be able to carry that right here on ESPN 106.7 in Auburn and Opelika. Moving on with making headlines, some big news in the baseball world for you Atlanta Braves fans, in case you missed it. Uh, Ronald Acuna Jr., you know, he's been hurt. He's been trying to come back, and they... Once he was able to start playing a little bit of baseball, he started back in the minors with the Braves affiliate, and he's been playing some games. He's been raking down there, doing his thing like he always does, and he officially gets called back up to the Braves. He is now back with the Atlanta Braves. He says he's healthy, ready to go, and the Atlanta Braves have officially called up Ronald Acuna Jr. They're no doubt their best player right now, especially with Freddie Freeman no longer playing in Atlanta of course he's playing in LA with the Dodgers and it's it's a really good time because Atlanta they could use some help man they need some wins they're 8 and 11 on the season yeah it's still early but you know they they lost a series to the Miami to Miami I mean that's not what you're looking to do if you're Atlanta you're not looking to lose a series to Miami uh, you've already split two games with the Chicago Cubs you wrap up that series at home uh, tonight in Atlanta at 620 and then you hit the road for a series against Texas and then New York so look and the Mets are playing some of the best baseball across the entire league right now and Atlanta needs some help so it's a great time to bring up Ronald Acuna Jr. hopefully he is healthy hopefully he stays healthy and obviously doesn't get back injured and doesn't go back to the to the IR IL I don't even know what they're calling it anymore they've changed it a couple of times so it's the injured list maybe so you know now it used to be the disabled list but they did change it it's now the injured list so hopefully he is healthy hopefully he's back to stay if you're an Atlanta Braves fan but that's big time news for the Braves in the MLB Ronald Acuna Jr back with the Atlanta Braves after playing with their minor league affiliate trying to get back completely healthy Uh, Moving on with making headlines, Auburn basketball waiting on uh, Julian Phillips to make his commitment. We talked about that with Christian Clemente in hour number one. He took his last visit uh, over the weekend with Auburn, or I guess early this week, whatever it was, and he said he has a couple of more visits to take, but he said he's not going to, and he just wants to ponder his decision and figure out where he wants to go. And we talked about it yesterday. We also talked about it a little bit in hour number one, how that's a great thing if you're Auburn, that you are the last school, the last people to talk to him before he makes his commitment. And we talked to Christian Clemente because, of course, Auburn is going after him and Janai Broom. And Auburn is trying to figure out which guys would be better, which ones were going to fit better in Auburn's system. Look, I think it's Julian Phillips. The guy can shoot. Christian gave a, a comparison that he is a an Isaac Okoro-type player, just a little bit less on the defensive side, but more on the three-point shooting side. Well, that's exactly what Auburn needs. Auburn's got plenty of defense. Auburn's going to be fine defensively. But Auburn needs a guy that can shoot the basketball. Auburn basketball needs a guy that can make plays, catch off the, you know, catch and shoot, shoot off the dribble, take it to the hole, defend a little bit as well. And I think Julian Phillips is definitely that guy for Auburn basketball. So 
We will see how that goes down. And on the flip side for Auburn football, they are still waiting on some guys to uh, commit. Christian was talking about them trying to build up their 2023 class and how they have some, some really good dudes in that class. But of course the concern is the transfer portal and what is Auburn going to do from the transfer portal? Look, we talked about it with Christian. The transfer portal right now, the deadline is May 1st. That's just a few days away. That is the deadline that if you want to transfer somewhere, you have to be in the portal by May 1st. But let's look at this realistically. If somebody is entering the transfer portal, let's say today on Thursday, April 28th, spring ball's already over. The transfer portal deadline is coming up. There's probably a reason that guys are entering the transfer portal right now. They're entering because, and and there's nothing wrong with this, but they're entering right now because they're not going to be a starter at their current school, right? If they're entering this late, it's because they know they're not going to be a starter. Sure, there may be some, you know, some, some, what's the word I'm looking for? Like some butting of heads between player and coach or player and program or whatever. But this late into the cycle, that means they know, A, they're not going to be a starter, and B, they're definitely not going to get the playing time that they thought they were going to get. And so when you look at the transfer portal and you look at the guys that may enter it in the next couple of days, and I'm trying to say this to where it doesn't come off rude or or mean or whatever, but what is the quality of players in the transfer portal right now? Not saying they're not good dudes, not saying that they're not good football players, but Auburn pretty much has their starters locked down besides a wide receiver or, you know, obviously Auburn would take some guys, but, and then the offensive line, unless some random super stud offensive lineman gets put in there, Auburn's not going to replace anybody on this offensive line. They're just not going to do it. Not at this point. You would have liked to have seen them go after somebody, but and I think they did. They just didn't pick up who they wanted. They just didn't. They weren't able to get them. And so Auburn has their starting rotation, their starting roster down for football. You're not going to get anybody out of the portal right now that's going to be a, a program changer. Let's just be honest. You're not. And so... I get the concern that the transfer portal has not been used to the to the max that you would like to see for Auburn football, but I don't think it was a lack of trying. I think they did go after some guys. They just didn't get them. And with everything that's gone down with this football program, it's kind of understandable. It's still an uphill battle, and I think Auburn's going to be just fine. And then in the coming years – when Brian Harson has a winning season this year, when Brian Harson keeps his job after this year, you're going to see the transfer portal be used even more. Yes, recruiting is still going to be a big thing. Auburn is still doing really well on recruiting. They've done, they're doing a lot better than they were a few months ago. They're doing a lot better than they were six months ago. But I think when Brian Harson has a winning season this year and he keeps his job, notice I'm saying win because I think it's going to happen. When he keeps his job, he's going to be able to to go into the transfer portal and tell people and tell these players, come play at Auburn so you can win. 
Come play at Auburn so you can get better. Come play at Auburn so we can put you in the league. That's what Auburn has got to get to, and I think they can. So, yes, I understand the concern with the transfer portal, and yes, I understand the concern with you would like to see Auburn get bigger and better guys from the portal, but at this point in the year, that's not going to happen. Yeah, you may get a backup somewhere. You may get a a decent athlete that can back up at a position, but you're not going to get a guy right now that's a program changer, that's a a, a game changer. You're just not going to get it because those types of guys are not in the portal right now. And if they are, I don't know why. But I I just don't think they're there. I don't think they're there. So I get the concern. I do. And if you have concerns or if you have a different take about this, I'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. I'd love to hear your take on this. And, you know, we've definitely heard it from callers this week, and I love it. I love hearing what you, the listener, has to say about whatever we're talking about. But when it comes for Auburn football and the, the transfer portal and recruiting, you can only do so much. You can only do so much. And... Again, it's been an uphill battle the entire way. Since day one that Brian Harson was hired, it's been an uphill battle. And yeah, he had some struggles. Yeah, he did some things that were not correct when it comes to like football things. When he, you know, when the recruiting was just kind of eh, that wasn't the way to go, but he figured it out. And now, now I think Auburn's on the right track. I think Auburn's on the right track. And I think that. There are some really good players on this team right now. I think there's really good players coming into this program in the next year or two. And as I talked about with Christian at the end of hour one, I want him and this coaching staff to get the opportunity to work with these guys. Because if you think this team is bad right now, which I don't think they are, but if you do, wait till after this year if they fire Brian Harson. This program is going to be disastrous. It'll be horrible. You remember 2012? You remember that year? You're going to see that again if they fire Brian Harson after one year. You think the recruiting's bad right now? Wait until Brian Harson gets fired. You think it's bad now in the transfer portal? You're not going to get a single guy coming to this program. You think it was hard finding a coach after Gus Malzahn? Wait until you fire Brian Harson. And what I'm, saying, what I'm saying with all of this is he's doing a good job. He's doing a good job. I think. I think he's doing a good job. Would you like to see more? Yeah, sure. Everybody would. Everybody would. But I think he's doing fine. And with the transfer portal right now, I think, and I knew this was going to happen, that it was going to be used as a, as a scapegoat almost. Whereas, you know, well, why don't you just go get somebody out of the transfer portal? You have an open, you know, wide receiver room isn't as good as you want it. Why don't you just go get somebody out of the portal? Well, it doesn't really work like that. You have to recruit guys, and there's got to be somebody in there that's worth your time and a scholarship. If there's nobody in there that's worth it, why would you go after them? Why would you get somebody if they're not going to actually make any impact on your team? And so you can't use the transfer portal as a scapegoat to your lack of recruiting. You can to a, to a, a certain limit, but Auburn's not having that issue. I understand you would want to see some better, maybe some better players on this year's team, but I think they're going to be okay. I really, really do. I think there's enough talent on this team 
to get them by, to survive. That's the word. That's the word I've used, right? Survive. This team and this coaching staff just has to survive. But to Terry's call in hour number one, he talked about, you know, let's say Auburn is trying to go in the transfer portal and get somebody at wide receiver or get somebody at offensive line. He had a great point. These guys want to know who's playing quarterback. Receivers want to know who's throwing the football to me. Is it going to be TJ Finley or is it going to be somebody else? The offensive line wants to know, who am I protecting? Who am I putting my life on the line for? If, you know, theoretically speaking. They want to know. But I think they do. They have a better knowledge of it than anybody else. The players do. They know. They're in practice every day. Obviously, they're not practicing right now. But they are in practice. They know who, who is and who isn't going to be the quarterback. I don't think it's completely set in stone yet. But I think between Robbie Ashford and... Zach Calzada, that's going to be one of your starters. It's not going to be TJ Finley. And if it is, look, it's going to be a rough year. It's going to be a rough year. No offense. TJ Finley seems like a great guy. He seems like a very big locker room leader, but he ain't it as quarterback for this team. And winning on the field will boost everything we're talking about. Recruiting, transfer portal, everything, morale, All of that is going to get boosted with wins on the football field. We talk about it all the time because it's true. It's still true. So if you have concerns about the recruiting or the transfer portal, just wait just a little bit. Hold on just a little bit. You got to give it some time. I know it's hard. And we don't, as humans, we are very impatient. I get that. We are. But you got to give us some time. One year Uh, nobody was going to fix this program in one year. I don't care if Auburn hired Nick Saban. It wasn't going to change in a year. It wasn't going to change in a year. I think Brian Hartson's doing just fine. And give it some time. And again, we've talked about this too. If he loses this year, he's out. It's over. You missed it. It's over. Sayonara, right? That's how it's going to go down. But just give him some time. And I think recruiting in the transfer portal, you're going to see it consistently get better and better and better every single year if Brian Harson and this staff are still here. I really do think so. And so, again, I get your concerns about the portal. I get your concerns about recruiting. But just give us some time. Give us some time. Everything's going to be just fine. Let's take our first break here of hour number one. You're listening to On the Line. Welcome back into On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Jacob Goins with you on the Thursday edition of the show. If you want to call in, get involved, talk about anything we've been talking about, we'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. If you want to chime in, I know you've got an opinion about Auburn football right now. I know you do. I know you do. I'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. And uh, moving on with the show, we've got about uh, seven more minutes or so before we head to the bottom of the hour break. And I have a question that I want to pose to you, the listener. With the NBA playoffs going on right now, the NHL playoffs, hockey playoffs right around the corner, 
And of course, March Madness was just a, you know, a month ago. I want to ask you, what is your favorite postseason in sports to watch? And why? Is it the college football playoffs? Is it March Madness? Is it the NBA playoffs? The NHL playoffs? Trevor may say soccer playoffs, whatever soccer playoffs you watch. I don't know how all that works, but what's your favorite postseason and why? I'm curious because there's so many of them, and it seems like so many people have a different opinion about it, That and they're all so different, right? All the different postseasons are so different, whether it's college or professional, uh, high school maybe, maybe you like watching high school baseball playoffs or high school football playoffs, whatever it may be, I am curious to see what your favorite postseason is and why because I think there's a lot of right answers here 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502 what's your favorite postseason to watch and why I want to know and I want to hear what you have to say uh and we'll see uh we'll see what we come up with because again I'm genuinely curious my favorite postseason to watch And this is a tough one, man. It is tough because all of them are so good. Everything I watch is so good. Playoff golf, maybe you like watching the FedEx Cup and golf. That's really fun to watch too. NASCAR, if you like watching the NASCAR playoffs, however that works. I'm not a huge NASCAR guy, but if you like it, call in. Tell me about it. I'd love to know. I don't, you know, the very first thing that popped in my head was March Madness. That's what popped into my head first. The NCAA tournament for college basketball. And it is. It's a lot of fun. But, you know, after the first weekend, yeah, it's still fun, but it loses its oomph. You know what I'm talking about. You know that the the vibe that's in the air during the first two rounds of the NCAA tournament when all the games are going on at once, there's a different feel when that's going on versus the rest of the tournament. Yeah, it's still a lot of fun. But I also really like, you guys know this, Always, I also really like the NBA playoffs. I love the NHL playoffs. And look, I also like the college football playoff. And so all of it is really exciting, but, man, I just don't know. Maybe you're a college baseball, you know, the, the, you know, you like watching that, the college world series for softball or baseball. Those are both really exciting to watch too. I want to hear from you and hear what you have to say. 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Look, it's got to be March Madness. It's got to be. But it's it's number one for me. For me. It's, it's got to be that for me. It doesn't have to be for you. But for me, it's March Madness. The NCAA tournament for basketball. But there's a lot of them that are right there underneath it. I think the NHL playoffs are so exciting. I really do. If you don't watch hockey, I get it. We're in the wrong area for that. But those are really exciting as well. Trevor, what's your favorite postseason to watch and why, man? postseason yeah like playoffs postseason whatever you know in whatever league i figured it was something soccer related for you obviously but you can't say the world cup i won't say the world cup is every four years right yeah that's a little different yeah yeah that's a little different for me it has to be champions league okay champions league that's soccer that's yeah think about march madness except with the best soccer teams that's basically champions league football okay interesting Interesting. I mean, look, there's no wrong answer. There's no wrong answer here. No. I mean, some would say soccer's the wrong answer. I'm just kidding. I'm messing with you. I'm messing with you. Now, look, I don't watch that, so I don't really know a lot about it, but obviously it's so popular across the entire world that, 
you know, America doesn't watch it a whole lot, but the the rest of the world does. So I heard a joke one time and it said, you know, soccer's the most popular sport in the world. And then the American says, well, then they don't need us to watch it, right? (laughs) That's, I don't know. That's the wrong opinion to have. It's not my opinion. It was just a joke and I thought it was funny. But so yours is the Champions League. I think mine's March Madness, man. I I mean, it's just different. It's a whole different level of postseason play. My favorite professional one is definitely the NHL. I think NBA's right there with it. Baseball is fun, but it's still baseball. Like it's still baseball on TV. Yeah. So it's it's better than the regular season, but it's not it, it's not as exciting as NBA or NHL. Why is it that the NFL just seems kind of Oh, wow, NFL. I totally forgot about that. You did forget about that. Yeah. But, like... It's in there, too. It's not my favorite, though. It's something about just doesn't... It's not the hype around it or something. Yeah, I don't know. It's definitely not my favorite, though, because I didn't even mention it. That's kind of crazy. I forgot about that. No, Mm -hmm. I don't know, man. I don't know. I think just because there's not as many games, that's probably why. When you think about baseball or basketball or hockey or college basketball, there's so many games that... You know, they all mean something. Obviously, all of the playoff games in any league mean something, but I think with the ones that we are talking about, they have more games, so it's more exposure, maybe? Maybe. But this past playoffs were amazing. Oh, yeah, for sure. Games for sure. the best games I've seen in a long Yeah, for time. sure. No doubt with the NFL playoffs. There's no doubt. But that's crazy. I did. I just I really did just forget about the NFL playoffs, didn't I? But, again, for me, it's March Madness. It's got to be. But right underneath that, I would put – NBA and NHL, because I put them almost on the same line. NHL just a little bit above that. The FedEx Cup and golf, if you don't watch that, if you're a golf fan, you know exactly what I'm talking about. That's a lot of fun, too. The majors, you know, you could consider the the majors in golf, maybe. I mean, I know they're not technically playoffs, but they're the biggest tournaments of the year that matter the most, so you could throw those in there as well, I think. But I don't know. If you have an opinion, what's your favorite postseason to watch, whether it's college or professional? I want to hear from you and why. I want to hear your reasoning as well. 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. I changed my favorite. Okay, what is it? Nathan Hot Dog Eating Competition. Ooh, the Hot Dog Eating Contest on the 4th of July. I like it. Joey Chestnut, he is the GOAT, the greatest of all time. That is... um, that competitive eating stuff is unbelievable. You think it's easy? There ain't no way. That man eats 80 hot dogs in one sitting. Oh, yikes. No way. No way for me. 30 minutes left in hour number two. You're listening to On The Line. Welcome back into On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. 30 more minutes left in hour number two here on the Thursday edition of On the Line. If you missed any of today's show, just search On the Line wherever you get your podcast. Let's head to the phone lines, 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Austin is on line one. Austin, welcome in. What's up, guys? Good afternoon. Yeah, good afternoon to you. What you got for me? Well, I just want I just want your thoughts on the uh, NBA so far. I love it, man. The NBA playoffs have been they've been a lot of fun to watch. Uh, the last couple of nights have not been as exciting, just because you see some of the teams have 
you know, really asserted their dominance over some of the, the weaker teams in the postseason. But no, honestly, very little complaints for me about the NBA playoffs so far. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm a uh, Heat fan, so I'm kind of happy. Yeah, I, the, I bet you are. <laughs> I don't know. And I'm sorry for all the uh, Hawks fans. I apologize. I apologize. No, no apologies needed. Look, the Miami Heat, I mean, they're the, they're the number one seed in the East for a reason. They've got, they've got some dudes on that team. And as long as they can stay healthy, I know you can say this about any team, but as long as the Heat stay healthy, obviously I think they have a great chance uh, to make a deep run in this postseason. I'm not going to lie to you, Austin. I think they've got a lot to they've got a lot to do to get there, and especially having to go through the Boston Celtics, man. That's that's a tough task. Oh yeah, especially man, all the uh, Heat and Celtics uh, back in the day. And and this Celtics defense, they are scrappy and they will come at you. And the everyone saw how uh, on how good they can be, and they and they and they look dangerous. Oh, they're yeah, they're I definitely think, dangerous. I think the Celtics are the only problem in the East. I, I know we got this. I know we got the Sixers, but I just can't. I can't trust Harden in, in the in the playoffs. He's like he's like Notre Dame in the playoffs. He's great all season, but uh, but then he just spirals in the playoffs. Yeah, that that's a uh, that's a pretty good comparison, Austin. I'm not gonna lie to you, but look, hey, you don't have uh, you don't have the Philadelphia 76ers yet. They've let Toronto back in this series, and if Toronto wins tonight, man, uh, it could it could get ugly for Philadelphia. I could see Toronto winning if they win tonight. They have all the momentum against Philadelphia in Game Seven. I know it's in Philly, but look. The Miami Heat, no matter who they play, I think they're going to have the advantage until they get to the Celtics. And then at that point, I personally right now, I would take the Celtics. But Miami uh, probably has the best chance of any team in the East uh, to knock out the Celtics. And it's a, it's a good sign that, what, two nights ago that mm-hmm. Miami was able to win without Jimmy Butler. I think that's big time. That's probably the, that's probably the biggest advantage that the Heat has just because of their depth. And I know how many guys does the Celtics play? Is it is it an is it an eight is it an eight guy rotation or what? Uh, I believe so. Yeah, they run like a pretty much like eight or I think it's eight, maybe nine. But yeah, they run nine usually. It's what I'm looking at right now. They run about eight or nine guys. Yeah, I think that's the only chance the Heat has. I think is just the depth, and if the other team and if the other players can have the hot streak and then I guess if the if the starters can come in about four about four or or so in the uh final quarters. Who knows? You know, but I think this has been the most entertaining playoffs that I've seen in a number of years. I may be wrong about it. But this uh, but this has probably been the uh, been the most entertaining Yeah, no, I agree. I I 100% agree at least in the past probably five to six years if you want to talk about recent memory there's no doubt that the NBA playoffs this year have been over and they have blown out of the water versus the past couple of years and you're really you're really going to start seeing the best of the best come in in the next in the next couple of rounds Austin we appreciate the phone call man a word go guys yeah we're going to you Austin that was Austin here on On the Line. We appreciate the call. If you'd like to call in and get involved as well, we'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. 
Look, I agree with Austin. I think the NBA playoffs have been definitely some of the most exciting that we have seen in recent memory. I talked five or six years, and you know, and not just and not just in one series. All of the series have been pretty good, and. Yeah, we've had some legendary finals over the past few years, but we haven't even made it to the finals yet. We're not even out of the first round. And we're already talking about how awesome the playoffs have been. And so that goes back to the question I had in the previous segment. What's your favorite postseason to watch and why? Whether it's professional or college, what's your favorite postseason to watch in sports and why? I want to hear from you, 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. And when you look at the NBA playoffs, look, I mean, you've got... Last night, you had two games that were... The first game was, eh, you know, Milwaukee beat Chicago 116-100. to They win the series 4-1. And then you saw the Warriors in game five against Denver. They win 102-98. to They move on after a 4-1 series victory. Look, in the West, I think it's Golden State right now until Devin Booker comes back for Phoenix. Once he comes back, it's going to be those two teams. In the East, I'm going to be honest, I think it's Miami and Boston. I like Milwaukee. Obviously, our buddy Christian Clemente, we talked about it. He's a big Milwaukee Bucks fan. I just don't see, I just don't see where the Bucks are going to be able to beat Boston in, in a seven-game series. And I, honestly, I don't see... A whole lot of teams being able to anybody to beat Boston in a seven-game series as they're playing right now. I would love, and I talked about this last week. I would love to see Boston and Golden State go at it in the finals. I think with the teams that they have this year, I think it would be fantastic because Boston has the defensive edge, Golden State has the offensive edge, but the opposite side, Golden State's defense is still pretty good, and Boston's offense is still pretty good. So. That matchup, I think, would be the best and most entertaining finals just because of all of the superstars that would be on the floor at one time. You look at Golden State, Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, who is, by the way, having a fantastic postseason coming off of injury. Nobody's really talking about it, but he's having a fantastic postseason, Klay Thompson is. But Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Draymond Green, Jordan Poole, all of those guys on the Golden State Warriors. And then you look at the opposite with Boston. You've got Jason Tatum, who is becoming one of the best players in all of the NBA. He's playing his best basketball of his young career. And when you look at Boston, you have Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, Al Horford, Grant Williams, the Tennessee uh, prospect and the Tennessee product. He is on the Celtics team. He's playing valuable minutes right now. And I just think those two teams matched up would be a fantastic seven-game series. I think it would go six or seven games, and you're looking at a fantastic series. But no, Austin, we appreciate the call and uh, talking about the NBA. It has been, man. It's been fantastic to watch all of the games. Tonight, Philadelphia and Toronto, the series I was talking about with Austin, is in game six in Toronto. Philly was up 3-1 in this series, I believe. I believe that's how they, uh, they got up. Let's see. Let's check it out. Yeah, they were up they were up 3-0. Excuse me. Philly was up 3-0 on this series as Trevor shows the uh, choking <laughs> the choking motion over there. Philadelphia was up 3-0 in this series. They've let Toronto come back and win two in a row. It's 3-2 Philly. 
but they go back to Toronto for game six tonight. Game six is in Toronto, so... If, a, little, a little deja vu right here? Yeah, yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Uh, man, and that's what I'm saying. If Toronto wins tonight, watch out, because game seven in Philly is going to be crazy. And you hear, you know, you always hear people talking about James Harden in the playoffs. I agree, man. The dude's just not a winner. He's not a winner. I've said that. James Harden is not a winner. He's just not. He doesn't have he doesn't have the the emotions and to carry him through and, and the good emotions at least. He's a very negative player, I feel like, when he's on the floor and when things are not going his way, you can see it in his body language. Same thing with Ben Simmons. Or not no, not Ben Simmons, uh, Joel Embiid, sorry. Joel Embiid is kind of the same way. They're both fantastic players, but when things start going wrong, you can visibly see it. And that that hurts a team. And so, look, Philadelphia is the better team here, guys. They're the better team. But they're not playing like it right now. You move on and you look at some other games going on tonight in the NBA. The Phoenix Suns, they're up 3-2 on New Orleans. Look, they're struggling with the eight seed of Pelicans. Devin Booker's still out. Uh, Christian told me that Devin Booker may be able to come back for Game 7. I had not heard that, so that would be big uh, for for this Phoenix Suns team. They would love to just go ahead and wrap this thing up and win tonight and not have to worry about getting Devin Booker back for a Game 7. And then the last game of the night, the four-seeded Dallas Mavericks against the fifth-seeded Utah Jazz. The Dallas Mavericks up 3-2 on Utah, but Game 6 is in New Orleans. So when you look up and down the the schedule tonight, all game sixes, all and it's all the games are at the home of the team that's trailing in the series. So Toronto, New Orleans, and the Jazz in Utah, all trailing 3-2 in the series. They all have game six at home tonight. Should be a fantastic slate of basketball. I'm looking forward to it. You look ahead to tomorrow. There's one game on the schedule, Memphis and Minnesota. That's a 3-2 series. Again, a 3-2 series. Memphis is up 3-2. Game six is at Minnesota. So what teams are going to even up the series, or can some of these teams wrap up the postseason and move on to the next round? This is a lot of work for one round. This is a lot of work for the first round. You're not Normally, this is not what you're trying to do. I understand it's the NBA. All of the teams are good, and they've all got superstars. But if you're really trying to compete for an NBA title, the elite teams... They're already out of the first round. Let's just be honest. They are. Golden State, Boston, Miami. Those teams are already out. They're gone. They're ready, or they're out of the first round. They're not out of the playoffs. They're out of the first round and into the second round, which means they sit back and watch and rest and get healthy while all of these other teams are trying to just survive. And then you've got Saturday, the if game sevens, Utah-Dallas, Toronto, Philly, and New Orleans, and Phoenix. And then Sunday would start uh, the second round. So fantastic basketball coming up. Make sure you watch it, okay? NBA playoffs are good. I've talked about it a lot. And I still pose the question, what's your favorite postseason to watch and why? Whether it's professional or college, which is your favorite postseason to watch and why? I want to hear from you. 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Let's take our final break here in the Thursday edition of On the Line. Welcome back into On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Jacob Goins with you on the Thursday edition of the show. 
Well, we've got about six more minutes before we uh, get out of here, but make sure you stay tuned. It'll be The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Pack from 4 to 6 right here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. That's 98.3 up through Birmingham and Sylacauga. We've got a few more minutes before we get out of here. If you still want to call in at the last minute, 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. Trevor, my show producer, it's your last day, my friend. And look, we have appreciated everything you've done, all of your uh, handy production work over there running the board and everything, so we do appreciate you. So if you want to call in and, you know, listen to Trevor do uh, do his normal his normal slogan when he answers the phone, you can do so and you can talk to me. We've got a few more minutes here left in hour number two. And I've got another question to pose to you. It's about the it's about the NFL draft tonight. And I'm look I was looking it up, and since 2016, Auburn has had Auburn football has had 27 guys drafted into the NFL. Doesn't mean they've stayed as starters or anything like that, but they've had 27 guys get drafted since 2016. Obviously, you know, 2016, 2017, the highest was a third round pick. 2018, the highest was a, th- a second round pick with two of, or with three of them. 2019, the highest was a third round pick. 2020, Auburn had two guys go in the first round, Derek Brown and Noah Igbenogany. And then last year, Auburn had the highest was a third round pick. My question to you before we get out of here. If Brian Harson survives, you know that's the word, if Brian Harson survives and is the coach here at Auburn for the next five years, since we're looking five years back, let's look five years in the future. If Brian Harson is still the head coach, will he still consistently put guys into the league from Auburn football? That's my question to you, and my answer is yes. My answer is yes, he will. I think if Brian Harson is still here, I talked about the development that I think he will he will have with him and the coaching staff. I think they have a a a focus of developing players and making them better. I think that's going to really lead to a lot of guys going to the NFL and not just going to the NFL. I think some higher draft picks because look at last year, 3rd round, 5th round, 5th round and 6th round. Yeah, they got drafted, but you know, You want to see guys go first and second round because that's where they make their impact because when they get drafted first and second round, that means they're getting drafted to a team that needs them. Once you go later than that, you're just trying to, you're really just trying to make it and survive as a, as an NFL prospect and try to get in on a team that may need you down the road. But my question to you, the listener, and just, you know, rhetorical or theoretical question, I guess, is will Brian Harson continue to put players in the league from Auburn football in five years from now will it be more or less than 27 because that's what it's been over the past five years in five years from now will Auburn have more or less than 27 guys get drafted in the NFL that's my question and I think it'll be more and not only do I think it'll be more I think you're going to see higher draft picks as well I think you're going to see guys go first and second maybe third round you know that happens But I think you're going to see guys also, I think you're going to see guys more prepared and more ready for the NFL because of the type of coaching and the type of football that Auburn is going to be playing and already is playing with Brian Harson. 
these are football coaches. We, we have talked about this on the show. And I think guys are going to be more ready for the league. And I think you're going to be able to see more guys on NFL rosters who are making impacts on NFL teams. Not just getting drafted and getting kicked around in different teams. I think you're going to be able to see guys get drafted and go and be day one starters. Maybe even, you know, maybe after a year they get into the starting rotation. That's my prediction. Trevor, what do you think? I think it's just going to take time, honestly. Because if we look at other situations, college teams, Alabama, when they went through their stage before Nick Saban, didn't have as many talents in the NFL. So obviously it's going to take time for this to build up. I think Harson has the ability to do it. I think we've seen with some of the players he's worked with in the past at Boise State that has made it to the NFL and done really well, surprisingly. Yeah. I just think he needs the time to help develop players, not to mention the other coordinators that we have that are already talented, like Ike Hilliard, a former yep. wide receiver coach in the NFL. Yep. They can produce the talent. He just needs the time. Yeah, I 100% agree. I saw a stat today about Nick Saban. He has, what was it, 39 first-round draft picks during his time at Alabama, but he's only got like 25 losses or something like that. Something ridiculous. He has over double digits more first-round draft picks in the NFL than he does losses in his career at Alabama. That's ridiculous. I don't care, man. You, you don't have to like him. you got to respect him, man. That is unbelievable. That is just like, and I don't even think, like, it takes a minute to realize how ridiculous that stat is, but when you really think about it, not just guys drafted first-round draft picks, which means studs. It means dudes are good at what they do. He's, he's pumped out 30. I think the number was 39. It was over. There was a more than a 10 differential between the guys he's put in the first round of the NFL and losses that he's had at Alabama. That's it for the Thursday edition of On the Line. Trevor, we appreciate everything you've done for the show, man. We're happy, uh, we're happy that you've been here, and uh, we hope the best for you and your future. Check out the podcast On the Line wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you tomorrow, same time, same place. Stay safe. I'll talk to you later.